0: The show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello,
1: everyone. Welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I'm your host, Tatiana Berende, and today I am really excited to have with me Nathan Navarro. We've got a big, juicy topic today. We are going to be talking about breaking through the church's toxic relationship to sex. So I'm super looking forward to this conversation. And let me share a little bit about Nathan so that you all know why I'm very excited about this conversation. He is a former Baptist minister who preached abstinence and purity. But Nathan is now a docu-series producer and editor who's racked up credits with Netflix, Discovery, History Channel, and National Geographic. During the last four years, he's been creating provocative content to heal sexual shame and indoctrination in a new genre of documentary called Holy Erotica. So, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, Nathan.
0: Thanks for having me, Tatiana. Very excited to have a chance to talk about all these complex, new, wonderful, mysterious things.
1: Yes, me too. And before we dive in to this big giant topic we're about to embark upon, will you please share with our listeners what your superpowers are?
0: My superpowers, yes. I love this question. I used to ask myself this question as a kid. Um, my answer is a grown-up answer now, though. Um, <laughs> I, my superpower, I would say, would be film. I have a relationship to film as a medium. I made videos as a little kid. I went to USC film school to pursue a dream to be Steven Spielberg and told stories. And mm-hmm. um, and then I, I got a job in, in docu-series. And so the language of film has been something that I've gotten good at. And it's allowed me to go into subjects that are hard to talk about, like sex. Mm-hmm. And so. My film superpower allows me to articulate what is hard to talk about. And um, and I think that's taken me deeper and deeper into a new world for me. And that's how I started to grow.
1: Mm, so beautiful. It is such a powerful medium. Um, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words and film just <laughs> is exponentially larger, I think, in what, what we're able to portray through that. So
0: yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and in particular, uh, doing documentaries, that type of filmmaking style has proven to be something that I can use to confront things that are uncomfortable to me. Um, the camera becomes something that I can both hide behind, but it also emboldens me. Yeah. So um, it it's a really wonderful, uh, wonderful thing to be be playing with, especially with sexuality and, and spirituality and, and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. So, so, okay, let's talk about this because yeah. your path is not an ordinary one. I mean, you started out as a pastor mm-hmm. preaching abstinence and purity. Can you, yeah. can you sort of share with us a little bit of the arc of your story and how, how yeah. you ended up from there to now in this genre of holy erotica?
0: Yes, absolutely, and this I haven't had a chance to tell this story often, so if I'm skipping an important beat, just let me know, (laughs) and um, and we can backtrack. But in general, I grew up in the Bible Belt, and I was a part of the purity movement in the mid-90s, which was the purity movement reached its height, and that's basically um, a campaign of abstinence and sex education, which used um, shame and guilt to... Encourage teenagers to, you know, to not just wait to have sex before marriage, but it really shamed sexuality and it really used the the propaganda of 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 Christianity and um, yeah, and and especially in the Bible Belt, when you're a teenager, that pressure is a very real thing. Uh, So I was in that world both as a teenager. And I became a, a youth minister, um, teaching these same these same things to teens. Um, I became a camp pastor in the in the summer camp world. That's where I be, you know, that's where I started to speak and I started to preach, um, spreading this message of abstinence. And you know, a lot of people became Christians. A lot of people um, signed up for True Love Weights cards and and aligned themselves with you know with purity. And the funny thing is, you know, after that happened, I, I met my best friend in church. We got married. And on our honeymoon night, what we discovered was that we were not able to have sex. So even though we were preaching, you know, no sex before marriage, sex is great when you get married. The irony is when we got married, we, we couldn't be intimate. And there was so much shame and guilt that we heaped on each other before we got married, that we didn't know how to undo that when we, when, we, when we were together. So we had a 13-year-long sexless marriage, stunted by guilt and shame. And we, we separated, and we're still really close. We, we got a divorce, um, but we still maintain talking and everything. And we, well, we're, as, as we remain best friends, as we still remain best friends, we both went into our separate journeys. I took my journey into, into Tantra. Into tantra science, and the only way I could do this was with a camera, because the subject scared me. So mm-hmm. I would interview these my teachers. I would interview these workshops. I would shoot into these workshops, and um, the deeper I went, uh, the deeper access I, I got into with with the knowledge and, and, and mystics and 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 tantricas and priestesses and goddesses and so forth. And it was this beautiful bridge into this new world that Christianity never introduced me to. Um, yeah, and and in that space, I was able to um, use filmmaking as a means to approach sexuality. And now when I shoot, when I shoot uh, themes of eroticism, I treat them as worship. And mm-hmm. the end product is this artful piece which re- we it, it calibrate sexuality on a higher frequency. And I mm-hmm. think that's what we are in desperate need of today.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you. Um, do you still consider yourself a Christian?
0: Uh, that's an excellent question. Excellent, excellent question. Um, I consider myself a Christian mystic. And the reason why I use that word is because as a Christian, I fully understand what it means to be someone outside of the Christian worldview you're basically going to hell, <laughs> you know? Um, but as a Christian mystic, I I can hold people who are existing outside of the Christian worldview, and I can still see the God that they see. And to me, that's the same God. Yes. And so I say I am both Christian and I say I'm Christian mystic, but I will let other Christians decide what they like to call me, and that's totally fine.
1: Hmm. Now, so I wasn't raised... Um, in the church, I was my father was raised under communism, so that you were only allowed to go to church twice a year at Christmas and Easter, um, and that's kind of what carried over into into my family. Even though I was baptized in the Romanian Orthodox Church, I know there's like a million different sects of Christianity, um, and I've always just been so fascinated and curious by what really the difference is and why there has to be all of these these differences. Um, one of the things that you, that you mentioned that I'm very intrigued about is this, you were talking about the purity movement, uh, and you were talking about it in past tense. And yet there are still churches who are preaching abstinence as a, as a form of birth control, as a, you know, form of control period. So I'm just I'm curious to to hear sort of a little bit of a distinction around that from you.
0: Um, good point. Um, you are right. This this um, purity movement is still happening. There are still defenders of it, and there are still programs that further it. And so when I was re- when I referred to it as past tense, um, I guess what I'm referring to is the peak of the purity movement. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time in the mid '90s where Christianity had Uh, promise keepers events that filled stadiums they had you know there was a gospel music industry that had uh, pop artists that would end up on the top 40 charts and that was a big deal Um, in the teen world there were events called see you at the pole in which church uh, uh, high schoolers would get the christian high schoolers would gather around their their flagpole and and pray and they're they're very large statements in the mid-90s and so the past i'm referring to the peak of the purity movement but you are right the purity movement is still alive today
1: yeah so i have a ton of questions for you we do have to go to a quick break um mm. before we go to break will you please tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and your work and your films
0: yeah yeah you could check out my webpage it's N A T H A N N O V E R O n-a-t-h-a-n-n-o-v-e-r-o.com and that has an overview of the three main things I've been getting into, mind, body, and soul. Uh, the mind is things going into like church impurity. The body is going into things like tantra science. And the soul is going into the art of holy erotica.
1: Beautiful. So we are talking with Nathan Navarro about breaking through the church's toxic relationship to sex. More when we get back. Stay tuned. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The superpower net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibration network of people just like you when you join the net you get 24 7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers if you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world then join the superpower net today visit superpower slash the net to learn more okay we are back so um so one of the One of the big questions that I have for you as someone who was inside of this experience, because like I said, I was, I wasn't raised in the church and, you know, it's always been like looking from the outside in, I've had some really beautiful experiences. I've had some really challenging experiences with, with, uh, with the church and Christianity and the, the oppression of, of the feminine and the goddess, um, but I'm just really curious to hear your perspective on why you think that abstinence is so pushed as a, as a, a means of, of education, if you will, through the church. Like, Why is that the lens? Why is there so much shame and guilt around sex and being a sexual being within the context of the church?
0: wow, that that's a really, really good question. And that question, I'm sure other folks I'm sure everyone has their own unique take, their own unique answer to this because mm-hmm. it goes way back, way back into history. Um, for me, uh, the why behind you know why they still teach abstinence and everything is because um, there is a there's a distinctly different worldview from where I am right now to where I started in the purity movement. And in purity culture, the best way I can put it was that sin is, well, sin is the one thing we, we shouldn't do. And, and sin can be such a vague thing. Is it, you know, right or wrong or whatever? Um, and in what I've summarized it, and this is my own way of summarizing it, um, I feel that what we call sin is really pleasure. I think a Christian's take of sin—it just—it means it—it—it it, it distances, it distances us from our ability to hold pleasure. So anything that's done for ourselves in an indulgent way, um, that that incorporates our body, not just our mind, but our body too, and our body's hungers, the pleasures of the body—all this is just not talked about, and um, and we consider that sin. So if you look into seminaries, for example, if you look into what do these seminaries teach about sexuality, right? Um, when you look at those programs, you won't see programs that are talking about pleasure. You will see programs that are talking about, oh, the, es- the ethics of teaching sexuality as a pastor, you know, the the, the, the the theology behind homosexuality. You know, it's a very logistical take of, of sexuality. Mm-hmm. but. Nothing is really tackling pleasure and, and how we can hold pleasure and, and where we exist in pleasure. That whole conversation of pleasure um, is something that is not being talked about in christianity Why, why do you that mm-hmm. in? Because I feel like when you talk about pleasure slash when you talk about sin, you'd be tempted to sin. Hence, if you talk about sex, you'd be tempted to have sex and so it becomes this really hard thing to discuss and a lot of subjects are left out in the dark in the gray area.
1: And yet we know that anytime i mean everything has a shadow element to it, right? Uh, and and so oh, yeah. when we when we don't talk about something, when we tr- suppress it, the shadow is just going to get larger and larger and and we see this. I mean, the Catholic Church I think is a really beautiful exemplary <laughs> um, you know, model mm-hmm. of what happens when when you suppress sexual urges, when you don't talk about it, right, you end up with the altar boy syndrome. Um,
0: Yes, very true. Very true. And you're you're exactly right. And so what's happening in church culture, you know, based on the truth that you just said, Tatiana, what's happening in church culture is that there's, in general, there's kind of like two groups, you know, you have your conservative Christians and you have your progressive Christians. This is in Christian America, right? Mm -hmm. Um in general, the conservative Christians, they're the ones, let's just say, they're the ones who are saying traditional marriage is between a man and a woman, you know, um, you know, no abortion, that archetype, right? Um, and then you have the progressives, which is generally, you know, you know, gay marriage is okay. You know, then you have pro-choice. Woman has a right to choose. So in Christianity, those two distinctions do exist. Now, what are the percentages between those two? I would say, like, the conservatives are about 98%, and the progressives are like 2%. You know, mm-hmm. no, no, don't judge, you know, demand, 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 that may not be exact, but you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, they're, it's really off-balanced. Now, those that are, are progressives, those that are progressives, um, what I found is that they tend to be very, very loud and, and outspoken with social justice. Mm -hmm. Um, they're making headway in this in the social justice scene. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're starting to make headway in the sexuality scene. Um, This is where I'm focusing my work. Even though I was a conservative Christian, I'm now working with progressive Christians because they tend to be the most open-minded with sexuality. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of hope and, and limitless and possibility in that people group. So when I when I talk about Christians, I, I don't want us to fall into the, you know, the same old rhetoric of oh they're only one sided. It's like no, no Christians are definitely complex and beautiful and, and and so original, but they're just hard to find. So when news when the news reports on them, they're going to report on the ninety eight percent that are conservative, acting one way, and not on the two percent that's that's you know, going into uncharted waters waters.
1: So, what are what are you seeing um, in that uncharted water territory? Like, how are people starting to sort of break that that stigma? Because there is, again, like I like I wish I had more of a biblical background to have this conversation. Because most of what I have received from um, and what most of my understanding of Christianity rests on my experience of growing up in a predominantly Christian culture, which is the United States, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. And and some of the books that I've read and conversations that I've had along along my path, um, and mm-hmm. the the fundamental understanding that I that I have come across is this idea of you know the body is sinful right to be right. born into a body is sinful because your parents had to have sex in order for you to be born right that's like the original sin concept right Mm. and 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 i and it's also you know i've been able to draw this correlation over the years and in my path with the suppression of the divine feminine because the divine feminine the earth mother is absolutely that domain of of physical pleasure of of expression in that in that way um and you look at you know the holy trinity father son holy spirit it's like where is the mother archetype in that where is the goddess in that Mm. um Mm. You know there is there is wow. Mary, but she's she's not highlighted in all of in all of the the text and all of the sex of Christianity, right? And then there's mm-hmm. Mary Magdalene, who's like the whore, but then there's also a whole other
0: yeah,
1: um, you know, subsection of the population who who's t- starting to tell a different story about Mary Magdalene. So there's like there's yeah. all of this all of this um, you know nuance and, and explosion of and layers of, of complexity um, within the Christian mythos and within how it has rippled throughout our culture. What are you seeing right now um, it, with the more progressive Christians that you're working with and how they're starting to turn that around and sort of have, promote more of a sex positive Christian culture?
0: Yes. Um, awesome, awesome question. So what I'm seeing now is I'm seeing the most progress being done in the progressive circles than the conservative circles. So this is where my answers are coming from.
1: So let me just pause you for a second. Let me pause you for a second. When you say the progressive circles, are there certain sects of Christianity? Like, is it the Episcopals or the Lutheran? Like, are there certain sects? Or it's just, you're just finding specific churches that
0: are more progressive and liberal in their... A really good question. They tend to be denominationally divided. Okay, so for example, Southern Baptists—they are the ones that are, you know, uh, they're they're the conservative ones. Like if you see a cartoon character, watch Southern Baptists, you know, burn and hail, blah blah blah. It's, it's the Southern Baptist, right? That's the, <laughs> then there's the American Baptists, right, and the American Baptists they have a very subtle difference in their doctrine that allows them to be American Baptists. And what that difference is, is that some Baptists, they have the power to interpret Scripture per church, per church body, like every little church steeple, you are your own autonomous church, your own autonomous denomination, Mm -hmm. right? So if that body interprets Scripture one way, cool. You know, happy for them. Southern Baptists, however, they have a certain doctrine that says, you know, if, you know, this is the way we believe you go to heaven, if you kind of believe outside of this, sorry, you're out of luck. And, and this is not just this one church. They've kind of set that rule. So it encompasses, you know, you have to join their denomination to fall in their definition of grace. And so, you know, the Southern Baptists, out of the denominations are like 98% and the American Baptists are so small. So small, and there's other versions of Baptists in there too, um, and those versions of Baptists they're the progressive ones, right, and then you know the Southern Baptist the conservative ones. so so you're right, there is a distinction that allows some to be more repressive, progressive, and others to be conservative
1: okay, and so you're focusing your focus is mostly within the Baptists community then
0: yeah, I'm choosing to focus on the Baptist because my background is Southern Baptist uh-huh, okay. So if I'm able to do some work in sexuality under the label of Baptist, then those Southern Baptists will kind of be like, huh, wait a minute. This is kind of close, but kind of different. What does this mean? Like, like I, I'm intentionally working with those, um, those familiar things so sexuality, sexuality will be less threatening.
1: Yeah, I get it. I love it. So, so then back to the original question. So what are you seeing? Um, what, are, what are the changes that are being made? How, how is that being approached differently?
0: Yeah. Okay. So the the progressive Christians they there is this this is the the best way I can answer this question is by telling you about um, this event I went to this this um it's called the Wild Goose Festival they have it once a summer out in North Carolina in Hot Springs I think North Carolina and um, it is a gathering of all the progressive Christians and they come with their ideas they come with their hopes they come with their questions. And in that space, I've seen Christians talking about Tantra. I've seen Christians talking about Buddhism and, and, and they're asking about ethical erotica. And in this group, one of the workshops I attended was led by a Catholic priest and it was called the Christian of the New Millennium will be a mystic. Okay. So to answer a question, I believe what's happening are that these progressive Christians they are becoming more worldly in their view and, and they're becoming more mystics. They're they're stepping out of what's comfortable and seeing familiar familiar things in different religions and taking it in and incorporating it in, in their churches. Um, I've seen some churches incorporate um, meditative walks and they're incorporating intentions like in, in, in Wicca. Um, there's so much intentions that you set when you do spells or stones this the step of an intention is overlooked when we do prayer that that's a lot of times you don't have a moment to set your intention before you pray like the prayer is the intention right mm-hmm. so all these things all these new technologies all these new beats that are happening in other religions have wonderful benefits that help us connect to our bodies that kind of break us out of the loop of being in a mind trap of of dogma and to be free by freed by dharma Read by teaching that's that's integral and holistic and oneness, right? So I hope I answered that question well, but does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think yeah. um, I'm also curious about like how the same text can be so used in so many different ways and interpreted in so many different ways. This is one of the things about Christianity that has always fascinated right. me um, and, and really boggled my mind at the same time. It's to me, uh, again, like an outsider (laughs) looking in, it's like, like Christianity, I'm just like, wow, like what is happening in there? And, and I, and I think, you know, I have come to my own really beautiful moments of, of, of reconciliation with my understanding of God and, and of, what that energy is and feels like when I experience the direct communion with that in my own life. Right. And sex has absolutely been an avenue towards experiencing Mm. that for me. Right. Which is part of of what I teach, um, part of why I do this show because I do, I I do believe it to be in that in a very sacred realm Um, and, and the potential of what we can access through sex is is tremendous and we and like i mean you i thought it was very interesting that you when i was looking um on your website and you were talking about how you know your experience of filming this erotica really like it brought you to god um i'd love to i'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that because i think there is like it's so sacred and the the energetic is you know, we we talk a lot about vibration here at Superpower Experts, but, you know, that the vibration of love, the purity of love, not the, not the codependent love story that we perpetuate in our culture, but really the true refined essence of love that is, in my understanding, the same thing as God. I mean, that we can access that
0: through sex. Hmm. Yes. Yes. All right. I'm very excited to answer this question. Um, Thank you for framing this question this way. <laughs> um, so, when I divorced, I basically left that marriage with the fear of sex and women. Um, my wife and I both were were facing suicidal thoughts
1: mm.
0: in the context of feeling entrapped in our marriage. Right. So, our sexuality got to a really dark place, um, and sometimes things would trigger those memories. Right. With sexuality. So that's how severe it was for me.
1: When you say those memories, you mean like remembering, feeling so disconnected from your sexuality that you wanted to kill yourself? Is
0: that? Um, I can That answer can apply to various things. It can apply to, let's say if there was rape in the past and you can't be close to your partner because you're having flashbacks. Yeah. That can be something. Let's say that you're just asexual. You have zero drive. That also could be something. Um, both of those elements are things that I've dealt with. Mm -hmm. So I'm speaking from my personal experience Mm -hmm. and, um, but yeah, so that's what I'm referring to. Um, so when I started with the fear of sex and women, I needed to break out of it. I had to do something and I, I decided to do something wrong. Um, so I, I kind of had this, it's a prayer that I never prayed. Tatiana, a prayer that I never prayed. I wanted to see sex. They wanted to see it what it actually was. I just didn't know how to ask for it. I didn't know how to find it I had no clue. I just put this desire this ache this groaning Thing, you know, I just I groaned and ached for it and and it was spoken into the universe and then this opportunity manifested itself, okay, um, I pretty much posted a Craigslist ad to interview people about sexuality. All I wanted to do was just get an interview. Mm-hmm. The first two subjects who arrived, um, they were two people who had intim- sexual chemistry with one another. And what started off as an interview became, became four hours of unrehearsed intimacy. And I was so lucky to be there. Of course, I was afraid. I didn't know what to do. Who knows? Maybe a lightning bolt would strike me and I'd go to hell right there. I had no clue, but I had my camera. I had my camera and I knew how to shoot and I just started shooting. I started as if it was a tornado. I started as if it was like a a shark coming out of the water. You just see something beautiful and you just, you just point and you shoot. And I stayed there and I stayed so close Mm -hmm. and being close to these two people in raw unrehearsed intimacy washed me with so much, so much energy that made sense. My body just knew what to do and it was inexplicable. I was moving so fluidly. My shots became smooth and I was not afraid. I was not afraid for some reason. I just felt like I was someplace where I made sense. And then the moment was gone. When the moment left, I was left with the footage and I was just ravished. I was ravished to express to make art out of it to prolong the experience somehow and I didn't have the words and I didn't have those people around me anymore and and I went into art and this reminds me how often when we fall in love with people we want to write love songs we want to we want to write poetry it's it's what happens when we're touched by the divine when we're ravished we are compelled to worship Mm -hmm. we're compelled to express that and that's what happened to me I was I had to edit this footage. This moment that dropped my lap. I had to edit it. And I was doing all of these things I did not understand. All I know was that I was so in love with what happened. I felt so at home. And all of a sudden, I was not afraid of sex and women. Mm. And this is something that I still can't articulate as a man. I'm not going to try to pretend that I know. The best I can do is just be honest with myself and express what comes out. And I'm going to let the zeitgeist assemble what's happening. Because I believe that women, right? What I saw there, what I shot was two women in intimacy. And and uh, do you mind if I still keep going? I don't want to. No, please,
1: right. yeah, no.
0: Okay. And, and here's here's what I saw. Um, what I saw was, I saw two women that were connecting for no other intention but pleasure. Okay, and if you look at it physiologically, you know, women they have the clitoris, right? And the clitoris, if you look at it in the no, know, as a sensory organ, you know, the clitoris has more. It can receive more and, and sense more stimulation than a man does, right? So yep, 8,000 women just understand nerve endings. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, like... like solely for pleasure. <laughs> exactly. And also the result of that pleasure, you know, tends to result to a baby sometimes, right? And so those two things, having children and and pleasure alchemically women have the wisdom that men can never have we just don't have that so to see two women carry their pleasure the way they did i i was on holy ground and i was learning i was seeing something that i've never seen before so i just i just i let it happen and i got a download of pure untamed pleasure that i feel is god and so when you're before the presence of God, what do you do? You worship. And so I hope that by sharing this worship, others will be drawn to the same conversation I'm having to recalibrate how the church has made sex very toxic and to make it divine once again.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I can feel when you're you sharing your experience of that story. Could, I mean, it's palpable how, how potent um, that was for you. It makes me really want to see the the footage.
0: Um, oh, I'd be happy to send it to you. It's, it's, um, yeah, I'm very proud of it. So
1: yeah. How, how do you respond to the people who, I'm because I'm sure you've had people say like, what, that you're just filming porn.
0: Yeah. Good question. You know, I, I haven't been responding. Um,
1: I to, <laughs> that's, that's, sometimes that's the way, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I've also been very tactful, and in this conversation with you, also Tatiana, with your with with this radio podcast, um, is is part of it. Like I've been very tactful. Like when I first made it, I showed it to one of my best buddies. He's a guy. He's an editor. He really didn't know what to make of it. And then I showed it to a few women who I knew, and they were all emotional. Hmm. And I didn't know how to interpret their emotion. Like, you know, typically I should be ashamed because they're looking at my "quote unquote" porn, but they were open and they wanted more. And I was like, okay, I, I'm not sure, you know, how to hold this. So I edited all their reviews together. I edited them together, and I put some music. And I had to, I had to make a piece for myself to put it in my mind body that. These people were responding to the sex in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I was so used to shaming myself with sexuality and pornography. I was so used to shaming it that I didn't know how to hold it. And it wasn't until women were affirming it that I saw the emotional distinction that, oh, this can be held at a good place. And now I'm holding it differently. Um, and that's one of the things I'm learning about sexuality is that some of us, when we've taught that sex is shame, shameful so much, we we emotionally don't have the distinctions to hold sexuality in a, in a redeeming way. Like someone has to show that to us and define it for us. And that's another reason why I think church is so separated from sex is because there are so few role models in Christianity that can hold sex with so much, so much joy, pride, and loudness that we don't have that role model yet. You know the gay community has that role model the gay community has a parade and they are so brave and powerful for that What does christianity have with sexuality? Nothing We have the true love weights campaign which promotes abstinence So that's our gap Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you
1: think That would look like if you did have it
0: What would it look like you know I have an ideal Mm-hmm. I don't know if we can actually get there, but it is, it is a dream that I have. Um, and I'm kind of following my gut here, which tends to, it seems to be matching up with what we're seeing in the zeitgeist, which is kind of cool. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be first to say, I'm kind of making this up. You know, so this could be wrong, but this I is what I'm never do.
1: That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, just like when I, saw, when I shot that short, I think there is so much wisdom that we need to learn in feminine sexuality. There's so much there. And I, I think I think the secret to holding feminine sexuality is like the frog DNA that you need in Jurassic Park to complete the dinosaur. You know, they're <laughs> trying to clone these dinosaurs and they need, we just need the frog DNA to make this dinosaur. And to me, that missing component of how to hold feminine sexuality is the missing DNA that Christianity needs that will alchemically transform it into something new Mm. where revival then becomes real. And Christ consciousness is not limited to a Western conservative American definition of Christianity. Mm. It becomes oneness once again. Mm. And I just firmly believe in that because I just tasted something that was inexplicable. I'm now changed and people will will know me by the fruit that I live by the, you know, what, what, What what results and so I just have to be honest with myself and I have to keep on making this art and Getting the word out there that sex is a holy thing and Um, and and when we learn to worship this mysterious feminine power as men when men learn to worship this um, I feel the women will will pull us up and then our maturation Our generational maturation will then grow and and then the masculine will then grow as well and I really believe in that and i'm really excited what's happening with With feminine power at this time, and all the reverence and the pride that's happening with women leaders like yourself, Um, like again, like between a man and a woman, if there's going to be one of those two sexes that closer resembles God, my my answer would be, it's a woman. Um, There is a book that was written called "She Who Is," that made three strong cases for Christians that God is perhaps more feminine than masculine. Um, The three arguments that were presented was. God is a creator, just like uh, a, a woman can give birth. Then there's Spirit Sophia. The All the Proverbs is the book of wisdom, right? Um, and in the translations of those Proverbs, you know, the wisdom of God is referred to as a she. So there's another feminine aspect of God, Spirit Sophia, right? And then the third aspect of the feminine God is that women are persecuted just as Christ was persecuted right mm. so because women know persecution women know what it means to create and being in their bodies and also women have this distinct wisdom which i've defined to you before as you know the wisdom and pleasure and wisdom of holding life those are some three distinctions within christianity that support the feminine the the, the divine feminine that we're seeing today
1: um i think this is such a fascinating um, I'd never heard that that piece of um, persecution before um, mm-hmm. I, I firmly hold and first of all I just want to want to acknowledge you and thank you for for holding the feminine with such high regard because it's it's we need more men like you especially right now um, especially in the Christian space honestly um, it's so important right now with what we're seeing in especially the us but all over the world
0: yeah I oh, firmly, you know, I, I, oh,
1: well i was just going to say I, I firmly believe that that the most divine expression is is a harmonization and a balance of both the masculine and the feminine mm. um and that mm. and that we are not because i because i think um, as much as I respect and honor that, um, that viewpoint of, of this, of, of holding women in such high regard, because I do, I mean, I believe women deserve to be held in incredibly high regard, because yeah, we do, mm-hmm. we birth the babies, we create, like we, the power of our bodies to hold the energy of creation is undeniable. Um, and so there deserves to be a certain level of reverence and respect that comes along with that. I just I love my male friends and counterparts so very much and I think about the male children that are being born today and 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 my concern with with that um, sort of overly uplifting the feminine and there's probably some people who are gonna be like, what the hell are you talking about? But um, I, I want to make sure that we're not leaving our men behind and that our men still know that they can be that they are sacred and that they can be empowered and that we need them to be holding that degree of reverence for themselves as well in order for us to feel fully met in that divinity.
0: Mm, yeah. Right. And,
1: because if, if, if I am a woman who, and, and this is the work that I do with, with my female clients, if I'm a woman who has learned or is learning to really honor myself as a goddess and to hold myself with that degree of reverence and respect and demand that from the men who I allow into my body um, in, a, in, in a sexual way, I am not going to want a man who comes to me groveling. I'm going to want a man who comes to me absolutely with reverence and respect, but who comes to me also knowing his own divinity and his own sacredness and worth. Yeah. So that we can be wow. meet as equals there.
0: You know, I'm going to be vulnerable here and say that you're making a hell of a point because. <laughs> In my marriage, I remember when I would go to my wife and say, "Hey, can we have some sex, please?" <laughs> um, and um, it was it was strange. Like there's something about you know the way we're taught Christianity and 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 Judeo Christianity is that you know there's either you know an obligation like it's it's God's will you have to play your role and provide sex blah 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 you know or we you know are, are kind of this whole pity sex type of thing, like I endured all this suffering for you. Can you bless me with the like we're mm-hmm. asking, right? And you're right. Both things, we're not in our full power when we rely mm-hmm. on, you know, a law to have sex in marriage, or when we rely on pity for that. You know, you're absolutely right. And thank you for for praising the masculine for that because it's true. I do think you know, and I can be guilty of this too, that we can get caught in the over praising of the feminine and forget where we need to step up. And, um, it takes loving conversations, conversations that you're modeling to me right now that, that take me to that place. So yeah, absolutely. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Because the men, I I think, uh, the, the Again, like I mentioned earlier, everything has a shadow side. And, and the shadow side that I'm seeing with the feminine empowerment movement is that it leaves no place for the men. And, and, and if we leave no place for the men, there's going to be some serious backlash. We're already seeing it. Ooh. We're already seeing what, what happened in Alabama is, is part of that. Right? To say we're going to make abortion illegal completely is part of that backlash the men need to need to know that they have a place where they can feel powerful and it's not in this old model of power over that right that's that's what that's what we've been used to that's what we've been shown that's what we've been taught that's what's been perpetuated is this this model of power as in i have power when i have power over someone who i perceive as more vulnerable than myself right that's that's our traditional model of power and really right. what i'm wanting to see more than anything is that our men know their power from within just like the women are starting to to find also right? We, we, mm. we can't be either or. It can't be the women find their power and then the men become puny little nothings over here. The men need to find their power too, but it needs to be from within, not in a power over way, you know?
0: Mm. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And, and, and I think what makes this really hard for men in Christianity is that we need to step into our full power. I mean, stepping into our full power includes stepping into our sexuality, and with all the rhetoric that we've been given by the time we are like forty years old or something, you know, men, men in Christianity, we have so much programming that our fullness, our sexual fullness, if it's if our marriage can't hold it, let's say if you're a man and you like men and women, right, and and let's say that that's your fullness, and if it's not fully expressed in your marriage, right. that man's not fully expressed mm-hmm. and that man is not at his at his strength and and so we see a pattern of men who are making these big sweeping decisions like like in Georgia with abortion are making these big sweeping decisions without reaching their fullness and and they still think that sexuality is a very bad dangerous and un, untamable thing and and it's because they have yet to make sexuality tame you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so if they haven't made sexuality tame in their own life and they have to use a religion to keep it tame, then they not, they're not going to feel like it's safe that other people can do it too. So they vote against it. They they vote against other people's ability to hold pleasure and to find that autonomy. So it's going to be really tricky to reach these people at the top, to, to empathize with them and to give them the nourishment that they need, which does not compromise... Um, Well, I think it may have to compromise. Actually, it's gonna. People gonna have to compromise. They're gonna have to compromise, Tatiana. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Or at least there's gonna be ego death conversations. Yeah, there there is gonna be ego death. Egos are gonna be falling left and right. That's for sure.
0: Right. Who am I kidding? (laughs) (laughs) Oh.
1: Well, Nathan, yeah. I, we are coming towards the end of our time, but I would love to hear sort of what's next. Like, what's your, what's your vision with where you're going with all of this? What, what do you want to achieve yeah. in this
0: direction? So, so the, I, I never fully answered one of your questions that you said before about what it will take to kind of get from point A to point B. So I want to answer that question with the vision. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I had to do for my healing journey is i I learned about Tantra because Tantra kind of has a theology that has a place for sexuality, mm-hmm. whereas christianity, Christianity has a theology that there's not a strong place for sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, these mm-hmm. Tantra groups, when I've attended them, they remind me a lot like Bible studies. you know, mm-hmm. but instead of studying the Bible, you're studying your body. So I like to call them as body studies. So I'm a champion for planting, body studies all across America, mm. just like there were Bible studies and people gather around in their small clusters and they learn how to connect with their bodies again, you know, using Tantra as the one that the technologies at their disposal. Right? That's, that's one that's with the, the body. The other is they, this is, um, is the art, the erotica. I'm hoping to put some positive erotica out there that that, that has sexuality seen in the light so that there's stuff that counters pornography. Mm. I see this art being a form of such education Um, especially in an Instagram clickable world, you know, if we're not putting something positive out there, telling people that something else is bad is not going to make a big difference. You have to be a part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing that with uh, positive erotica. And then the last thing I'm doing is I'm returning to the church. I'm returning to them and giving them a voice through, you know, the purity movement has left a lot of people traumatized. So I want them to air out all that trauma Mm-hmm. And, and create a healing space, maybe through social media, or through our podcast, touch podcast, um, that, um, that people can do that. So I'm, I'm doing what I can with, with my limited ability, my limited abilities and story. And, um, and if this is something that excites you, please let me know and I'd be happy to be a part of taking this to wherever you're at to further, further the work. And, get church church to have a healthy relationship with sex, not a toxic one.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Nathan, for doing that work. So yes, please reach out to Nathan. um, If if you have been in a church community and you want to re- uh, we revitalize, shift, revamp your relationship to sex and, and the way your church is talking about sex. You can reach him uh, through, can they reach you through your website, NathanNavero.com? Yeah. You can find, they can yes, contact you, can. you through there. Um, yep. Again, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come and have this conversation. Um, I think there's some really beautiful stuff that came out of it, so thank you.
0: Thank you, and I hope we come back. This is fantastic. I yeah, love it.
1: Absolutely. And to our listeners, thank you so much for your continued support. I want to hear from you. So if you have not come and joined us in the superpowers, our real group on Facebook, please do so. I want to know what you want to talk about, what you want to hear about more of on this show. What are you loving? what What do you want more of? Let us know. Please come and join us in there. And if you have not yet checked out our programs page, we have some really wonderful new offerings. Go to superpowerexperts.com forward slash programs. Please come and play with us. And until next time, go out and love yourself. So that you can love the world more deeply. Many, many blessings. Are you ready to discover
0: your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and to take the superpower quiz today.